This is Bob Ambrogi, and welcome to This Week in Legal Blogging, presented by LexBlog. LexBlog is home to the world's largest community of legal bloggers, and is the industry-leading provider of professional blogs and turnkey digital publishing solutions to lawyers and to the world's largest law firms for more than 16 years. Once again, this is Bob Ambrosi. I publish the Law Sites blog and host the podcast Law Next. You are listening to This Week in Legal Blogging, where this week I'm joined by Catherine Radigan, counsel with the firm Robinson & Cole in the Providence, Rhode Island office and author of the blog Data Privacy and Cybersecurity Insider. Catherine, welcome to the show. Hello. Thanks for having me. First off, I'd just like to ask everybody how they've been doing during these crazy times. How's it been for you? How are you going? Interesting. I, um, yeah, I have two small children. I have a three-year-old and a one-year-old and two dogs and my husband working from home. So it's a full house. So it's, it's just been different. House, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, now we're getting used to it and then maybe things are going to go back. So then you got to get used to the going back bar. So we'll see how it goes. <laughs> right. So uh, before we get to your blog, uh, tell us a little bit about your practice. So I, I would say 100% of what I do is data privacy and cybersecurity. And that kind of means we have a practice group at Robinson Nicole that's data privacy and cybersecurity, but we end up working with all the different practice groups because I usually tell people that um, if a client has data, which they could have one employee and they have data, then we probably have right. a few. Something. A few have that now. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, we probably have some advice and some uh, compliance or some way to help. But you know, what we really do, at least what I'm, fo- I focus on, is a lot of the compliance side, telling you know clients, here's what laws apply to your business, what the data that you collect, um, you know, you should put these processes in place. And then inevitably there's a data breach or something. And then um, we help with the breach, the breach mitigation, uh, you know, the notification process, and then the, the sort of after effect, um, effect and training and kind of the full gamut of like beginning to end where there's the data is being collected. Does it get, you know, are you protecting it? And then some, a lot of contract review, I feel like in the technology space, because that's the biggest, that's the hurdle. And that's really why data is being breached is there's a lot of exchange of data, obviously, you know, making sure you're complying, making sure that both parties are protecting the data. So we really, I, I work with all different industries. It's kind of fun. I honestly never know what my day is going to be. I can write a list in the morning and then some ransomware hits and it might affect a whole entire industry. So the day completely changes because then you're on, it's really time sensitive. So it's, it's kind of fun. <laughs> it's fun to see. And you don't really, yeah. you know, you're not set in one, one pattern for the day. So it's, it's a fun space to be in, I think. Right. I, I, have have there been, I mean, is it just me or does it seem like there has been an increase uh, in ransomware attacks over the past year in particular? Yeah, there's been, 2020 was just increase in business across the board in this space because people were working from home. You kind of went from, you know, everyone's in a secure network or they're not taking devices home. And then it was just, okay, we got to get everybody home, which had to happen in a short amount of time too, so that, that businesses didn't lose that, you know, like, okay, we can't have weeks where no one's doing, getting anything done. So there was this opportunity for all the hackers to sort of go, 
where are the weakest links? And that's why yeah. you've sort of seen this, this increase, you know, being at home on unprotected uh, networks that people aren't changing passwords on their internet of things, devices, uh, you know, so people can get in that way. There's just a lot more opportunity to, to infiltrate education industry is the big one right now too, where colleges and universities are seeing more hacks because uh, again, they had, they had to go online completely and they're not necessarily spending the money on putting in cyber safeguards and protecting data. So it's just been kind of a, an explosion. I don't think it's, it's almost like you're not going to put it back. It's not going to sort of go back to what it was. Now it's got to put in practices and measures and safeguards to actually protect data because there's really no going back, I think, from the use of all the technology. Um, you know, we might be in person again and less video, yeah. but the technology is going to keep being used and we're going to just have to put practices in place that actually protect the data. Well, we'll see. I mean, it definitely keeps us busy. Yeah. We're always. But I mean, it sounds things. like what you're saying in part is, you know, no matter no matter what practices a company puts in place, no matter what precautions it takes, that individual employee is always the weakest link in the equation. Absolutely. That's what we say that during training all the time is that employees are the highest risk. And it doesn't even need to be a bad actor or employee. It can be a lot of the breaches in the past 10 years are, oh, I, you know, they brought a laptop on the subway or something. And, you know, I, cause I wanted to do work at home and then it had passwords like written on it or something. So someone was able to access or, you know, right now people are just trying to get work done. So, okay, I'm not paying attention as much to what I'm clicking or what I'm reading some of these phishing emails. And it's not necessarily someone trying to steal data, but they're just clicking on things that, that they shouldn't be. So it's really about like training employees hundred percent. It's one of the highest risks. Absolutely. Yeah. Have you always practiced in this area or did you get into this, you know, after you were already practicing? Yeah, I, um, when I was in law school, I interned for the partner who leads our team now at Robinson and Cole. Um, Lynn Friedman was at another firm with me, um, was at another firm when I interned for her. And I started working for her there after law school. And I did mostly at the time, it was when um, HIPAA had changed because of, again, like a lot of, they needed to add security to, to the rule. And so I was more in the healthcare space and privacy of healthcare information. And sort of that was the beginning of um, a lot of these electronic medical record exchanges. So it started there. And then sort of uh, since then, it's expanded so much because of technology, really. Um, and as the industry changed, I sort of found different niche areas. I sort of started with mobile apps when they weren't a thing, which I always, as I've been saying that lately, I go, I like to think of myself as not that old. But then when I say... So when mobile apps were brand new and never and didn't exist, it sounds very, very dated because obviously that's just part of our daily lives now. <laughs> but that that was how it sort of expanded into the technology space. And now it's healthcare, it's technology, you know, Internet of Things, anything that's connected, drones. I do a lot of autonomous vehicle, um, just sort of we like to look, we try to look in this space, you kind of have to look ahead the next five, 10 years to see what you think is going to be. The next big issue because you have to get ahead of it there's there's really so much to learn in the space so it's just about educating yourself every day and that's sort of how drones became one of my things i would say five or six years ago i said i think this might be something to watch so that became part of my um my bag of tricks so to speak but you know that and it's kind of a fun area i think my husband asks me all the time do you really think that we're gonna have drones like flying above our heads and i say yes absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so, Right. 
Yeah, I think something popped across my newsfeed this morning of a, a restaurant somewhere using robots as in place of servers to deliver food to tables for safety reasons. You know, uh, I don't know how well that goes and how much food gets spilled along the way, but uh, yep. <laughs> it sounds like a good idea. <laughs> so uh, you started this blog in 2015. How did it? How did it get going? How did you get started with it? When we first started, there was just the sort of the way the team works is um, myself and then Lynn Friedman, who chairs the team, were we focus entirely in the space. And then we had, I don't know, at the time, maybe 20, 25 people that kind of, you know, might be in another practice group, but they but they still have some some kind of a um, specialty in the area of privacy or security. So whether it's they know about Bitcoin or HIPAA, you know, that can be. Um, obviously that's a big part of our blog too, actually. We built this team and we literally sat down one day and said, okay, well, we can't write all the content because we want, we want it to be relevant. We want to stay on top of sort of a lot of different spaces. So we basically put out, hey, you're on the team. Do you, you know, do you want to participate? We kind of tried with that. You must participate, but you have to have people who are willing to write um, and came up with sort of just a, a schedule. I think with lawyers, if you put it on a calendar, it's a lot better reminder than just saying like, hey, can you write a blog post when you get a chance? Instead, it was here's your reminder, here's your date. If you can't do that date because you're on vacation because you have a trial that day, then you need to find somebody else to do your your day. And it kind of made this, it was good momentum for keeping content on there and that was relevant. And that way we didn't have to each write 10 posts a day. And then it, it's kind of right. become, people will just actually reach out to us now that it's been so 2015, you know, almost seven years. I think we started it in March, actually. So we've, we're past that point. But um, people will just sometimes reach Happy out. Anniversary. Hey, I, <laughs> I, yeah, I saw this topic, yeah. and I want to write about it. And we're like, okay, sounds good. And we usually don't get crossover or the or people um, writing about, you know, the same topic, because we have a good communication system where they everybody knows who to reach out to to say, mm-hmm. I want to write about this. Is anyone else start like has anyone else started it? Is it something you know, we should do because that was happening in the beginning where something was big in the news that week. So a couple people wanted to write about it, they started their draft. And then it was like, you can't now you have three people, should we mush it together? Um, we didn't want it to be too long. We were we went from the legal newsletter to let's have it be punchy, conversational. Um, people don't have time to read really long. Uh, you know, they just want to know what they need to know and take away. What can I take away from it? So that helped because then yeah. more people would be willing to write about it. But it kind of just it's it's been evolving over the years, and I I just um, now we have a good swing of it. I would say, but yeah. Do, do you and Lynn kind of serve as the coordinators for everything and uh, or, or the or the uh, the the traffic cops or, what, or whatever yeah. you want to call it in terms yeah. of this flow of all these different <laughs> right. posts and topics? Yeah, um, Lynn will usually, I'd say, kind of like uh, monitor the topics and I kind of do the organizational side of it, make sure people are getting stuff in, make sure it's put we put um, all the blog posts that we do throughout the week do get put into one I'll call it a newsletter, but it's a lot less formal than a newsletter. We just sort of put all the topics into one uh, weekly on Thursdays that go out to the the blog subscribers so they can see, okay, what was in for the week. Um, but then we also work really closely with a few members of our marketing team as well, because there's, you know, that we, we get the content ready and then we get that to them on Wednesday and then they're getting it ready to go out Thursday. So they do some editing, make sure we, 
you know, format it right and all that. And it's sort of, um, it's, it's very streamlined now, I would say, but everybody's used, they know that it's coming and then we get it out and, um, we've missed, I think Lynn would say, I don't know, there might've been one week we missed in the past, whatever, six or seven years. <laughs> and it was, you know, like it just yeah, had to be great. skipped, but we, it's, it's really important to us that we do it every week to stay on top of it's a space that's, it changes so much that if you go away for too long, then it's, you know, you're, you don't know what's relevant anymore. So we kind of try to stay on top of it in that way. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, it sounds like it's a real professional publication, you know, operated like a real professional <laughs> publication. Yeah. Do, do you have any kind of internal uh, method of communicate? Is this all email or are you guys on Slack or teams or anything like that in terms of coordinating around this or? Yeah, it's, it's just email. Yeah. Actually, we just send out um, the people who are up that week, get an email on Monday, I think, or Tuesday, hey, you're, you're up this week. And then they just reply and say, this is what I'm going to do. Or yeah. um, this is what I'm thinking about. Or if they don't have a topic, sometimes, is there something I should, you know, focus on? And we'll, because we're constantly reading other, you know, newsletters and industry um, publications to see what's out there, we can say, well, how about this? And then they'll usually take that topic. So Yeah. So going back to 2015, you, you started the blog, uh, I think it was soon after you came to this firm, right? Soon yeah. after you came to Robinson Cole. So yes. were you thinking of this, you know, what, what kind of pre precipitated the launch of it? What were you thinking in terms of starting this, this blog? Or had you been doing this before somewhere else or? We were we were writing and it wasn't as formal as this or as you know, it wasn't as scheduled and sort of, um, you know, like I said, I think that that kind of helps in the legal space is when you have a, a deadline where <laughs> we're yeah, more right. um, apt to do it. But I think it was just that we the way that legal like I think I kind of said this is that I, I'll just expand on that. People don't didn't want to read the really long here. Here's the alert, you know, and it's. Right. 10 paragraphs and it's written very formally we were we could see there wasn't as much you know people weren't clicking that and they weren't reading it or they right. weren't they were just deleting it or it was going to their spam or whatever it was people wanted something easier to read so we sort of said okay what are other firms doing for blogs like let's see what's out there and we thought this is where we need to go in order to get into when we go into someone's inbox they're actually going to look at it and they're going to go to the blog and they're going to read the blog and sign up to get the every time there's a new post and i mean we get new we get new readers weekly like it's kind of our thing is to sort of as soon as we start talking to someone oh we also do a blog do you want to sign up for that blog and and it's just um it's a great way to just keep our name in, in the inbox sort of and, and keep it keep it relevant and we try to do topics that people are going to search for too you know they're going to look for and they might actually see our blog post so it was just that we knew we had to change the way we were sort of communicating with clients potential clients um, industry it, it was just it needed to be an easier method of communication than some of the more formal legal writing that was sent out at, at the time so yeah so so you so have you found that people uh, do in fact engage engage more with the blog than they did with the client alerts or other kinds of formats that you were publishing in? Yeah, we, yeah, we actually will look at a lot of, you know, the clicks and if somebody read it, um, we also will get, somebody will sometimes just reach out forward the, the article and say, and have a question about it, or could you speak on this? This is really relevant to, you know, maybe it's training, maybe it's employees with the biggest risk. Can you help me train my employees? Or if it's not for a client, it might be, um, you know, I saw, I think I actually spoke at an event 
when was it now? 2019, I don't know, 2019. When <laughs> In the before times. We, yeah, we speak at events, but um, where I, I write a lot about drones and I write a lot about, um, you know, the privacy and security issues. And so I was getting asked to, hey, can you come talk about drones and cybersecurity? And it was like really just because I'm putting my name out there with this content and like that's sort of how you become an expert. I know there's no, you know, there are no experts in the legal world, but you're you're known for that area because you're writing about it and people see it. it the same thing happened with um, I was writing about DNA, these DNA companies that are on the consumer facing side and they ended up take come talk about that. And so it's not necessarily whether it's getting a new client or if it's just having more opportunity to then go out and market the firm and say, right. here's what our practice does, here's what the firm does um, by speaking about it. It's it's been um, it's it's really been great for that. So. Right. And, and uh, I'll, I'll uh, give you some credit there because it's probably not just that you're writing about it, but probably that you're writing about it thoughtfully and intelligently. Uh, and you know what you're talking about. I mean, lots of people can write about this stuff, but uh, I, I'm sure that somebody who's inviting you to speak uh, read some of what you're writing and, and thought this person knows what she's talking about. Um, have, have, you know, have you tracked any kind of more direct sort of client engagements as a result of the blog? I mean, if people come to you and say, yes. you know, we read your blog and therefore we want to talk to you about this problem we have. We have. Or... <laughs> yeah, we have. So we have, we have, and besides our blog, Robinson and Cole actually has, I think it's 10 different blogs right. now. And there's all, you know, their workflow might be a little different than how we are, but they're putting out content too. And I, so I don't know for sure, same result wise, but I, I think generally, we in the beginning we weren't getting that as much but i now we actually will say oh how did one of our questions has become how did you hear about it like you know what you know why did you reach out and we'll actually get a good number that will say oh i read about it on your blog or i follow your blog and it could be that they heard um they heard someone on our team speak at an event and at the end we always plug our blog our blog so you know we may not even have a direct relationship we may not have even spoken to them especially now where you're doing a lot of video but it's there we're like sign up for our blog so they're they're going to it because of whatever we you know it are the topic interested them that we spoke about you know they want to see more and then down the line oh they you know that firm knows about this particular i'm going to reach out to them and they will say oh i read about it on the blog or i follow the blog um and if we don't know that for sure we have our marketing people also check to when we get new clients did they are they on our blog readership and we do see that i actually just had um I'll say one of it was a, a great um, flattery because I I had a, cli a client reach out, a new client that reached out and they said, oh, can you help us with drones? We want this and that. And we saw you, you know, we know that you are in this space. And I sort of eventually said, oh, well, how did you, you know, hear about me? And they, I figured they maybe would say blog, but it was a, it was, well, actually, we, another attorney that we work with on employment issues said that they read your blog and that you know, <laughs> about drones and I said that's great so uh, we have other firms that are now going well we don't do that particular area but I read this one that knows a lot about that space so I thought that was pretty cool because now you you kind of it's a way that um we're getting like referrals from other firms that don't necessarily practice in that in that area and that was sort of the connection so um other firms reading each other's blogs getting some background it was pretty um it was it was uh funny to hear and I was excited about that so it was, it was good yeah. Well, you probably get other firms 
who do practice in your area reading your blog. I mean, I you know, I not not just not just to uh, sort of keep track of the competition, so to speak, but but I you know I, I think a lot of lawyers read blogs as ways of keeping up with their field of law. And uh, if you're practicing data privacy and security, uh, they're probably going to, they've probably got a subscription to your blog. Absolutely. We just, that's, I actually have a topic I'll write on this week that was, that stemmed from reading another blog. And we sort of were like, oh, that's a cool case. Let's pull that case and let's take a look at it and write our own, you know, write our own interpretation of this case and the decision. So yeah, it's true. You have to, in order to have the content, I mean, I've had to whale it down and find out which ones are really the most useful, but you have to subscribe. You've got to like subscribe to a bunch of things. Cause you may, I get newsletters on from a lot of different, um, you know, one industry and I might read t- scan through 10 that morning and I'm like, Oh, none of that's really relevant to what I think that the readership wants, what clients want to read. So now I'm like, okay, well I've read those 10, but I still want to write this week. So what else do I have? So we certainly, um, you need a lot of, you need a lot of ways to get the information as well, which is, um, that's the more, that's my morning is yeah. scanning through what happened. Um, and what's, and what can we write about that people will want to know about, like what they, you know, what's their takeaway that they'll want from this. Yeah. And, um, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people talk about work-life balance. I always ask about work blog balance. How, how do you kind of balance the, the, you know, your, 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 your day job with your, your blogging and, and all of that? It is a separate job. I just said that the other day is that it, it stays on my, it stays on my list. It has to be yeah. there because, you know, that's how we get the content. But I mean, we know the good news is we have to, we kind of have a deadline of getting it to our editing team and the marketing team to get it ready to go out. So I at least know, okay, I have to have it done by this time. I will say frequently it's get your everything done during the day. And then maybe anytime after five o'clock <laughs> is when I'm, you know, trying to write it. I'm trying to do it in that, that before dinner time, but then often it's at 10 o'clock at night and that's kind of fine. It's almost, um, it's where I'm teaching myself yeah. too. You know, that's when you're reading about what's going on. So that's my educational time <laughs> to read and, and write it for the blog. Um, if you can kind of sprinkle it in here and there, that happens. I know Lynn, that's like her Wednesday night ritual is to like sit down and write the blog. And so it is kind of a side a side job uh, to what we do during the day, but I think it's it's important to the practice and to what we right. do during the day because that's how we're you know we're marketing and how we're getting our content out there. But, right, and it um, informs what you're doing during the day. I mean, you're you're keeping on top on top of the stuff that you need you need exactly. to know when you come into the office in the morning. Figuratively speaking, come into the office. <laughs> exactly, it's too. It changes. Yeah, it changes too much that if you weren't keeping up with it anyway, you know, then you wouldn't be able to advise your clients on what's going yeah. on in the privacy and cybersecurity space. So, we are creating content, but we're also reading an FBI alert about what the latest ransomware is and what industry it's targeting, or a case, a decision in a case that you know maybe there's a data breach class action was decided. And so that's going to affect our clients or, um, you know, so it's, yeah, it's really kind of twofold where we're educating ourselves for the next day and for the practice or, and then also creating the content at the same time. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I know that you practice in Massachusetts and Rhode Island. Your firm uh, is national. Do you focus the blog on any particular jurisdictions or is it national in its scope? No, I would say it's national. It's really whatever the most um, relevant stories are really um you know relevant cases that's yeah because we'll work with we we do a lot of articles also on the california california consumer privacy act so and we have clients in california so we'll look at that 
I did some stuff on um, Massachusetts. There was a ballot initiative of, for data collection with vehicles and um, it, really just whatever is out there. I know we just did a, Lynn just wrote last week about a Texas, um, the Texas case where they were collecting license plate data. We kind of go wherever. And for me, for drones, um, like I said, it's kind of, they're not necessarily flying except for testing in this kind of side of the country. <laughs> but um, so a lot of the other, the stories all right there are from the Midwest or, um, you know, the technology that's kind of coming out in California or outside of the U.S. even too. Um, we, I just wrote about, I think it's Israel that is doing sort of the vaccine passport that's electronic. Like there's a lot of talk of that in the U.S. and it's happening in sort of other countries. And I wrote about that because it's relevant to what maybe we're going to do here in the U.S. So it may not even be within <laughs> within the country. We might be looking at stories that are outside as well. So uh, I, I've heard you say that you've kind of developed the style for the blog of, of trying to keep it sort of shorter, more direct, you know, avoid long pieces. Um, oh. Are there other kind of things you've learned about what makes the blog work or doesn't work? Other other kind of lessons that you could share with others about what's what's worked for you? Yeah. So um, I think something, you know, these are so basically we're we're looking at either a news story, another blog, a, a case, like a, a decision. And instead of just, I think the biggest thing that we tried not to do is instead of just saying, here's what the court said in this case, and okay, period, and I recapped it for you. I did what maybe, you know, Lexus or Westlaw can do for you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, provide some insight and takeaway from the case is why it's valuable to the readers. Like, you know, kind of almost it's, the way we write would be, you know, better to say, here's a, some general, here's the general facts and here's the decision. Here's a link to the, to the decision if you want to read right. it. But what does this mean for you and your business? And I think that, um, cause you don't really want just a recap. I want to know why does this actually affect me and how might it affect me or, or an action item? What should I do? A lot of our blogs, privacy tips, that's almost a, a call to action. Like, Hey, did you know that your some particular app on your phone is listening to you all the time? Go into your privacy settings, change the privacy settings. Right. You know, it's not just um, this is what the app is doing and isn't that terrible. It's like, go change it or here's how it's going to affect you. I think that that's really important um, and, and how you'll get more readers because they are getting more out of it than just a recap of an event or recap of a, of a decision. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, this almost, I guess, probably seems like a redundant question at this point because it sounds like it sounds like the blog has kind of worked for your for you and your practice in, in in a number of ways. But but uh, you know, kind of, what's your overall assessment of it? How what has its impact been uh, on 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 your practice broadly and and on yourself? Yeah, I think the practice um, being in this particular space in privacy and cybersecurity having having the content out there and um, in a format that can be easily read and sort of, like I said, gives that, um, you know, here's what you should take away from it. Uh, it it's built the reputation, you know, our team's reputation for being knowledgeable in this space, um, you know, experience with, with the changing technology, changing law. We've certainly gotten, um, we have other new, you know, report, we have reporters and organizations reach out to us for, okay, can you talk about this, you know, in more depth? 
So that gets our name out there. I had mentioned the speaking engagements. I think it has just overall, it, it broadens um, sort of our reach. And even internally, I would say for me and for I think anybody that's writing for our blog, we the our posts, our weekly sort of culmination of them on Thursdays goes out to all the attorneys in our firm as well. And so they're seeing what we do and they can, you know, there might be somebody in bankruptcy and they have no idea what privacy and cybersecurity team members do, but they do from reading the, the blog content. And it's a way of marketing internally and marketing externally, you know, um, as a group and then individually. Um, we've all sort of been asked, oh, can you speak on that topic that you frequently write on? And they, it's been really important to me because it's given me the opportunity to, to speak outside of the firm. And then when I came over from, um, from my prior firm to Robinson and Cole, it was also a way of like, oh, okay, this is what you do. And here's you're writing about these particular topics and let's, you know, work together. We can, um, you know, market to the clients that the firm has and they, it's education for internal and external. And it's been really successful, I think. Yeah, I mean, it's really interesting to go back to kind of what you said early in the interview today uh, about the fact that, you know, this is not really kind of a standalone practice anymore. This is a practice that permeates really anything you're going to do in a commercial setting and, and even in an in a individual setting uh, these days. Any kind of a legal issue uh, is going to could implicate data privacy and cybersecurity issues. So the fact that you're uh, you see that as, as much an internal education tool as an external one, uh, that's that's really interesting. Well, uh, Catherine, thank you very much. It's been a real pleasure to uh, speak with you, and I appreciated your uh, insights, and uh, keep up the good work. Thank you. Again, we've been speaking with Catherine Radigan, uh, who's counsel with the firm Robinson & Cole in their Providence, Rhode Island office, and she is one of the authors and one of the founders of the blog Data Privacy and Cybersecurity Insider. Uh, you've been listening to This Week in Legal Blogging, uh, presented by LexBlog. Uh, we've got a whole bunch of episodes of this show that we've been doing, and you can find them all at lexblog.com slash twilb. That's T-W-I-L-B for This Week in Legal Blogging. Uh, this is Bob Ambrogi. On behalf of everybody at LexBlog, thanks a lot for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode, so stay tuned for that.